Welcome to another great episode of the On the Radar Podcast. This is a podcast that features music and artists coming to, through, and from the greater Midwestern areas. My name is Peapod. I am not at my normal studios today because I have decided to uh, hook up with the good people in Bowling Green, Ohio, which for listeners not from the area, which is uh, about a half hour south of our normal stomping grounds in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I have hooked up with uh, Mike and Mark, the two guys of the upcoming studio, Bike Rack Records. Good morning. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, how's it hey, going? Good Thank morning. you so much for uh, <laughs> letting letting us uh, bring our project to your project. Hey, thanks for coming. And uh, very excited. We're in a small, to be honest, this is a very upstart uh, studio, but every music studio and every um, uh, studio production starts in little places like an apartment complex. So one room is basically just decked out in, in enough uh, reverb cutting material to uh, make sure people can actually sound decently. And our guest is not only has recorded here, um, but he's by way of Kentucky um, and uh, right here in Bowling Green, Ohio, even though there is a Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, Mr. Drew Coomer. AKA AS Coomer. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for uh, for doing this. So they're very excited. So it's like two like interviews at the same time that we're gonna integrate and we're gonna get fun and we're gonna get weird. And it's really funny because um, the first time I've ever met Mark was uh, our mutual friend Alex Barrett of the Casket Company, and it was his uh, bachelor party. And every and I was the DD, and everybody got drunk. And at one point, I saw Mark's ball. That's and, and I'm that's and he he has one just a single he just testicle. has a single one yeah one he, he's, he's uh so it, from there uh it was just kind of a uh, an uphill friendship from there yeah. I would like to take this moment to apologize to my mom and let her know that I did not bring up the one testicle I did. brought up without me <laughs> I did I did not know about that coming into the studio I did, do not do not. Yeah, let the let the record show. Sorry, sorry, Mumble Coomer. Is it Coomer? Did I say it correctly? Yeah, good. I, I was afraid. Maybe I should have asked that before I started it's the microphone. Come <laughs> It's uh, it's French. It's Coomer. So on that note, let's <laughs> let's get the ball rolling. Hey, go on, zing, zinger. Anyway, so uh, before we get started with Drew, so you two, uh, Mark is a is a is a hip hop rapper himself, mm-hmm. uh, and has done uh, some music projects as under the the uh, the name of Markatron three thousand. Markatron two thousand. Two thousand. Excuse me. Next year's three thousand. Three thousand is the future edition. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. When we reach twenty twenty, it's gonna be uh, three thousand. We're gonna upgrade software upgrades. Apple took over. Yeah. Um, Ooh, yikes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but how did you and, and and Mike here uh, decide to kind of go into the business of production. Uh, we started working together in like 2014, I think it was. Uh, 
at the jo- a job that we had at the time. And uh, yeah, he approached me because he liked the hat that I had on, and I refused to be his friend because I'm a standoffish asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed he wore flannels and beanies, and I was like, "Yo, hipster, what's up?" You know? <laughs> I too am a hipster. Yeah. So I forced him to come to one of my shows, and he, I rapped a song about superheroes, and he liked it. And then we, uh, we just like really hit it off on our mutual respect and love for music. And from there, we just started. We started making music together and hanging out all the time. And then it was about 2015. We had come up with the idea to like create a startup studio. We just wanted to like use our talents and love for it to do something better than what we were. You won him over with your mad flow. Yeah, it was, yeah, so, it was sick, sick tight. That whole oh, time, yeah. I was struggling through BGSU trying to get a degree to do this. And then meanwhile, me and Mark were like, "Yeah, what if we named a thing and." did some music that wasn't your that wasn't Marktron or my band and we just actually like maybe somebody will give us a couple bucks what is your band my band's called counterclockwise it's basically a studio it stays in here I record I write songs and we record them and then they we put them on the internet and then no one hears them Oh, all right. <laughs> so everybody else, that, we do that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, bike rack's been the focus. Your standard so. musician. Yeah. So. <laughs> everybody <laughs> on there. Somebody sometimes listen to it. Yeah. Sometimes not. That's like the creative outlet, but this is like the business outlet. So we kind of focus on this. But me and Mark started building this, and we're like, well, work with what we got. So we dumped a, a ton of money in, and you know, turned this room into this, and we're constantly upwards so. and that's good because there's always places and especially in a college town like bowling green ohio where bands seem to kind of get their start musicians and everything doing that college route doing you know those coffee shops and things like that you get howard's right down the road exactly you, know? you need to do something to give somebody the outlet for a decent you know studio and the and the production value that has come out of the studio for for being just in a small apartment complex room is wonderful as I almost knock over it. Like I'm like literally there is an electronic drum kit not even ten feet away from me. There there is not a bio wall. A there is a you know can't a stress a enough how couch. small this it is. It's a small room. <laughs> it, but it's it good works. stuff though. Really good yeah. quality stuff. We uh the groove canoe recordings, you know. Yeah, we, we did have... those in here and my brother who plays drums in the Coomers, Ethan he also plays drums in Groove Canoe, and he had never played electronic drum set before he got in here, and you guys got him sounding pretty good. Yeah, thanks. I mean, we're, we're proud of the gear. You know, we're putting the money, you know, if you can't have the space, we put the money into the quality of the gear we make and uh, our knowledge of knowing how to make things sound good. You know, you do, we do what we can with what we have, so. Which is good, which is good. Uh, moving over to Drew and and. and by the way, first off, Groove Canoe is the best fucking name I've ever heard of a band. Uh, it's going to come story. sometime. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so the, the Groove Canoe is an actual entity. Like, it, so it's there, a real thing. There is a Groove Canoe. <laughs> like, you oh. know. Uh, like a me, rideable canoe? No, it's. Okay, so Todd Elson, singer and main writer of the songs of Groove Canoe, me and him just hit it off. First time we met, we started jamming in my basement. Um, but. I'd come down here to Bowling Green where he lives, and they had this, uh, it holds CDs and books, a shelving thing. It's a a half canoe. And it's got this really neat painting of like a lake and trees on the side. And I had my cell phone, and we were working on trying to record some of these ideas for group canoe. Like, and I was going to add some mandolin or whatever. You know, just make, you know, idea demo stuff. And uh, we... 
we had uh, stacks of CDs and coffee cups to get my cell phone the right thing stacked inside this groove canoe <laughs> is what we called it. And we, and we made our little mic sh- uh, makeshift microphone stand in the groove canoe. And that's just, you know, the name stuck, groove canoe. Pick so up excellent. a paddle. We're going down the river and all that. You know, we say all that stuff. <laughs> and, you, and you play with our former guest, uh, Justin Vester Fry. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, not only can he play every guitar known to man, whether it's electric, acoustic, or dobro, he can play some funky bass lines, man. Like, that guy is just a musician's musician. He can also grow a dynamite curled-up mustache. And 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 sometimes he might even do the pencil. Yeah. I've seen him do the pencil. I've seen him get away with it. That boy, within six months, has changed his facial hair 600 times. Oh, yeah. And I'm a little jealous. And he pulls off every single word. And I'm I'm jealous. When I used to have hair... Uh, there was a time pre pre bald peapod, but when I used to have hair, I would grow out my beard and then I would just shave the chin. Yeah, so I would have sideburns to mustache. I would call it the Civil War, yep. and everybody would like absolute love it, except my girlfriend at the time. But that's why my that's why she's my ex for the reason. And um, and then I tried to do it again when I was bald, and it looked kind of awkward just because like. Everybody like everybody would then start looking at me like right in the middle of my face, and if I don't have a beard or some sort of facial hair, everybody's staring at my eyebrows, and God knows what's going on up there, and it'll be the <laughs> only hair on my head. So I needed it. so it's just beard for me. Like, but I'm I'm very jealous for anybody who can um, change up the the facial hair. All right, so my favorite Vester story is when he was in here for the Groove Canoe sessions. And he just took a nap on the futon and like just in the middle middle of everything. He's like, I'm just going to take a break. And yeah, group canoe thing. We have a thing. It's called the pizza nap now. Like yeah, the pizza you, nap. He's like a he's like a gremlin or something. If you give him pizza, that dude's gonna nap. Yeah, we like. we, we ordered a pizza and we all went and took a break and then we came back and we got back to work and Vester just kind of crashed for a good twenty minutes. How much pizza and from where? I mean, power naps. Those baselines are funky. You got to power them. Yeah. You got power. Yeah. You take a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> now I want pizza. Oh, man. I want a nap. Well, oh well, you know. Back in Kentucky, we don't have a Marcos near me, so when we come up, you know, we were trying to like, probably should hit up Marcos, yeah. like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like midnight. It's like the last place open. You should probably get Marcos, man. Where in Kentucky you uh, do you reside in now? I live um in a little place called Philpot. Just fail outside pot. Owensboro. That West sounds West like Washington. it's in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay, man, I'm just a fail pothead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> are you? Fr- are, were you originally like born and raised in in Kentucky, or were you f- yeah. from here? I'm, I was born and raised in Kentucky. Um, I moved up to Toledo about five years ago. My wife drugged me up to Toledo. She drugged you. Uh, she drugged and drugged. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was combo. It was a twofer. But uh, <laughs> she was doing her residency in Toledo. Okay. And so we, I moved up here without knowing anybody, and somehow, like after probably a year of struggling to find something in Toledo with redeeming value, I thought because Toledo, like on face value, when you first move in, it's a crass, unwelcoming city. It is. But once you get into it, man, Toledo has so many creative people. Toledo has like a really strong like subculture of like everybody really supports Toledo within Toledo and mm-hmm. I, I've always found that like really impressive it's the people very... of Toledo love Toledo yeah but I know yeah, what you mean about being closed off to like yeah. new people too yeah it's hard so I still feel it like sometimes I'm like okay I don't belong here <laughs> I'm, a tra- I'm a transplant to into Toledo because I came here uh I came to Toledo in 2004 for school from Akron Ohio which is about two and a half hours southeast of Toledo um, and, and for school and I never left. I, you know, I graduated, I had my first job here and which I've been there still for now close to 10 years, had side jobs, met my wife here, 
you know, like it, it's pretty much my town. And I've got, and I've done many trips down here to Bowling Green and, and have family down here and friends down here and family and friends that I consider family down here. So it's, you know, this whole area is very, it, it, it can be a little standoffish and, and it has a little rough around the edges, but there is a lot of good that comes into like these sub-cities, as I like to call it, not like the big capital cities or the name brand cities, you know, your Detroit, your Chicago, yeah. things like that that I've talked about before. Um, these these subculture cities, these sub-cities that, you know, maybe you'll just be passing through or maybe you're just here for like a quick bite for something and then you leave and not realizing there's a lot more things around here. Yeah, I've always found like this area of like the Northwest Ohio is like extremely dense with uh really talented people mm-hmm. i've just met an insane amount of very talented people i think it's like, the sadness of the black swamp that just like forces people into there's like creative well, i guess i'll write a song it's either, <laughs> it's either i'm gonna like become creative or i'm gonna kill myself there's a desolation to the flat blankness of this area it really is know? sad like, as hell you know and we moved up here that was the biggest thing i missed from kentucky it was like i mean if you fart here and like nothing blocks and the wind carries it somebody three miles over getting hit in the face with it it is flat <laughs> During the damn thing here, like I'm just hills. I felt naked the yeah, whole first no, are. little it, bit I was here. Yeah, and that makes sense. You know, we're like really vulnerable out here because mm-hmm. we're in the open. We can't hide in the holler yeah, physically yeah. and emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, how, what is it about? First off, um, let me just start with this. Where does AS Coomer come from? Oh, it's my name, Andrew Scott Coomer. Oh, um, when I was first shopping around. Um, fiction and poems and stuff to find find publishers earlier, early when I was writing, um, there's a lot of these articles and talk about gender bias in the literary world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I remember seeing some stuff about how like JK Rowling, she's JK because like nobody would read anything, whether the Harry Potter stuff or the the later stuff, when they found out a woman wrote this fantasy Mm -hmm. series, you know, so she had to just, you know, desex it and send it out. I mean, you know, I think it, it should always be about the art, not about the hype. Or the lawnmower. Can I get more lawnmower in my monitors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a window open. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it should always be about the art as opposed to, like, all the talk about I'm stuff. Have to shut that. Can I get some more Husqvarna in the monitor? <laughs> we'll open that later. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. I don't I mean, that, that was pretty much it. You know, there should always be about the art as opposed to what people are saying about the art. Like, you know, literary and art criticism has its place but like at the end of the end of the day it should be about the thing should speak for itself yeah mm-hmm. you it's know good that it, they, you know found a way around it but it's stupid that it's a thing you had to like move around this that's like sex bias and yeah and that that's ridiculous you know i just didn't want any sort of like preconceived notions when it comes right. to it like so when i first started seeing this stuff there was like this like anonymousness to, to do an A.S. Coomer. You know, like, no one knew who I was. Just send the stories out and let the poem or the story thing say what it's supposed to say, and then you can judge whether or not it's good enough to put in your magazine right. or, you know, whatever. It's very, very sensibility of, like, musicians going under a stage name, radio people going under and under, uh, you know, even me being in radio for almost 10 years and just calling myself Peapot because the name Chris doesn't, like, doesn't invoke an emotion, but, you know, just the other day I was doing an event and I just introduced myself as my real name. And then somebody shouted for me uh, during an event uh, by my radio name. And all of a sudden, the like the one of the listeners like, 
perked up and they're like, wait, you're Peapod? And like, and I always find that interesting and I always get kind of enjoyed uh, that, to be honest, because I think it's very funny. But they're like, why did you why did you introduce yourself to that? So I'm like, because this is not about me. I'm, I'm, I'm putting on the professional and I'm help running this event. I'm not part of the event. I'm just running it. So yeah, I've always been a strong believer like i tell mike all the time he's got to like come up with a stage name because the name michael's awful and everybody's <laughs> named after that like it's just one of those common names we've oh, actually lost business because his name i knew a michael once it was he was terrible I yeah can't guys hit me up and they were like we want to do our next five albums with you guys and i was like cool i was like what's your name man and i was like mike jones and he's like never mind and he, I, all i heard was a click there it is. Okay. Been there waiting is. for that one. I was gonna. I didn't want to, man. <laughs> yeah. I just brought it up. The cell phone. I could not do it. I could remember the the number. So I'm so impressed that you got that. Man, it was probably ballpark. You know what? I lived my whole life with this name and never heard that until probably my junior year of high school. Yeah. I never heard it, and then I started getting phone numbers shouted at me, and I was like. What? What? <laughs> what are you doing? At first, he thought girls were like giving. Right. His yeah. Their, their no, it wasn't show. girls doing it. It was like the jockey football players. They were like Mike Jones. Maybe and I was dudes like, were just giving him their number. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, quite oh, popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really succeeding in high school. Everybody has the same number. That's not strangely. what it was, though. That's not what it was at all. But that was a good point that you you, you put, Drew, that um that you're a writer. Um, that many people, because you're an artist in almost every sense of the word, you know, musician, writer, you know, do you paint, do you draw? Yeah. So you paint and draw. So he slices, he does everything outside of slicing Dyson and making julienne fries. So he's an artist of every sense of the word. I'm a terrible cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Marco's pizza. There you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what got you into the world of music then? Well, I've always you know, like my first concert I ever went to, my parents took me to see John Prion at the Louisville Palace when I was little. So I've always been a fan of like the storyteller folk genre. And I've always been drawn to stories in general, you know. Uh, I'm a bookworm, a dork. Like, I, I would rather spend my time reading than, than like hanging out most of the time. And that's not against anybody. It's just, you know, it's who I am as a person, I guess. I don't know where I was going with that. The whole uh, Facebook thing got me. You, you were making a beautiful sentiment, and it worked. Yeah, okay, worked. cool. And we got we have on record on that. Shut it down. Yeah, we're good. No, um, you got a handful of uh, uh, albums and EPs and singles and everything. The most recent one would be "God Damn It" anyway, um, and which is a great, which is a just a great title for it. And just even saying it that way is just like "God Damn It" anyway. Mitch Hedberg, you know? man, exactly. Yeah. I, I love it. So t tell me a little bit about like what, what is the writing process for you? You're, you being a writer yourself, what constitutes as a writing then to be something as like fiction, poetry, or a song? Cause those are your main three outlets for your writing. Um, what constitutes and when you get into writing or what do you start the writing process? Um, what's, constitutes and what direction do you go to or do you already know you're going into one direction when you start well like with with fiction stuff you know i i would you know my my, my end goal is is in the, the day is novels like that's my favorite medium and with longer projects like that uh you know i have a very i'm a creature of habit i wake up every day at seven make a pot of coffee and go straight to the laptop and i can't leave my house i can't do any housework i can't do anything until my 2000 words are in whatever my long project is you know 
I figured, you know, I don't have a boss, so you got to be your own worst boss when you're independent, you know, like that's just the way things go. So with the fiction, I've got a general idea of where the stories are going when I go to sit down to write. Um, I, I used to not outline, but I just started writing a new novel, and it's the first time I've wrote an outline for it. Um, but usually with songs, you know, they, they tend to kind of direct themselves. Like a chord change may lead you down an alley where a turn of phrase pops up, and songs just kind of seem to come from nowhere, you know? Like I always, Stephen King had that thing where he, he talked about his fiction as like it was an unearthing project you know he, he thought he was digging up bones he was an archaeologist that's how stories are finding it. and songs kind of feel like that too like they're already there like you know once you stumble onto the first little bit of a song it kind of lends itself like to they don't come it. out of you they come through you yeah like it's just from somewhere they're that, there yeah, you're just kind of like this you're is a channel this is my yeah. you know yeah i find it interesting trying to figure out like more like in my spare time trying to write more just in general about stuff and, you know, I have such a, somewhat of a music bug, but I'm just so, like, awkward and maybe I'm not hard on myself to, like, pick up the guitar or anything like that. So it's very hard for me to try to do it. But, like, even doing some writing, it's very it, – when you say it comes out of you, like, mine's almost just, like, it's emotional-filled. Like, I'm doing it in, in fits of, like – rage or anger or upset and everything i can't like go on a normal day and just like sit down and go all right i'm gonna write nothing crickets i think you could you know yeah. it's it's kind of like um when you first start doing anything for the first time you know you got to build the habit you know you got to set it into place and it's like a it's like a muscle the whole creative thing like the more you do it the easier it is it's to all about that it. repetition yeah and you start to like learn exactly where you're at and how to carve out your own your own style or yeah so being a folk artist and having all this, uh, you know, experience with the writing and everything. So, what do you bring to the table that gets people to kind of notice? Is it just like the the song quality? Is it the writing? Like the folk world is not uncommon for this podcast. We've had a handful of great artists, that Stalitz, are, you know, Stalitz, and, yeah. and Fry, and everything, and Muddy, um, Muddy. She was she was amazing, and uh, you know, it's, but I always. Rock, see, rock and hip hop and like some of those genres that we have we have explored seems kind of straightforward. There's an idea, there's chord breakdowns, there's whatever. Folk is all it, it's so many like genres and only and all and already country has itself. It's all these subgenres and country and country rock and then the folk and then like modern country is more pop music than anything and then the folk and then the, you know the singer songwriting and the storytelling and everything. So what is it that you bring? to establish yourself as, hey, this is an A.S. Goomer song instead of whatever else is out there? That's a good question. You know, like, um, it's funny. Like, when I was in Toledo up here, I was a guy with a guitar and maybe a harmonica sometimes. Uh, but since then, I've got an electric guitar and a drummer and gotten loud as fuck. Like, right. you know, like, it's, it's a whole different monster. It's time, time to get wild. So it's kind of weird. Like, in, in the songwriting approach, this time has been more on like what what is the sound of it you know figure, figure it out there where as opposed to when i was up here first time acoustic it was a story like most most of my songs told a story and if you're listening beginning the end you're going to get something mm -hmm. you know and that was the focus so i don't know what people think and i don't really have a marketing plan for what i do it's just what i do but i guess what i do is narrative based when it's the folk vein you know um Really getting intricate finger picking stuff is usually kind of like a, a style of mine. Um, right. I've I taught myself how to play instruments. Nice. Uh, 
so I have like a modified claw hammer type approach to finger picking or something. You know, it's this just wonky <laughs> thing that every time I play, and there's a gar, uh, guitar picker out there, they'll come up, they're like, you know, just what in the fuck are you doing? But not like, not in like a, like a weird way. They're right. trying, they're like, I don't know what that is. Like, you know, it's like. What the hell are you well, doing, Well, as a fan of the Coomers, I would like, I associate you guys with your voice too. I think you got, got a, you got a unique set of pipes. So when Absolutely. I hear it, I'm like, okay, that's Drew. Yeah. And that's something that draws me to you guys. And that's personally. something that I also see is like all three, your solo stuff, the Coomers with your family, and then Groove Canoe, all are different and they all are very unique like but you can kind of get the main idea through all of them but they're they're all different enough that you're like this is a coomer song this is a, a, a you know this is a solo song this is groove canoe limiting should never happen in your life you know if you if you consider yourself an artist or something like classifying yourself as one into one genre or one box is death. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, you versatile, should, yeah, you know. man, you got to just follow where the, what, what you want to do. You got to diversify can't be your bonds. Names. Yeah. Protect your neck. You know, you got to get out there. <laughs> and all the Wu-Tang references. So here's the question, because I know, I know you might want to have a word mark about this. So, uh, talking about diversifying everything and, and, and right now the time of this recording, the, you know, the new hot kind of viral songs, that little Nas X song, uh, with Old Town Country Road. Yuck. And uh, it's, uh, it's terrible, lucky. It's, it's an it's awful terrible song. and great at the same time. It's a song that just got viral play and and um, a fucking... Uh, oh, shit. Who's on it again? I'm blanking. Nah, uh, Billy, Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus. Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, that guy's jo- yeah. still around? Yeah. Exactly. Good for, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> 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 Breaky Howard to old com- uh, old country. Oh, Aki Breaky Heart. Speaking of that, so I went and saw John Pryan in Ashland, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, at this little theater. Um, and we walked in. This theater's gorgeous. But like when we were in the waiting line the whole time, we kept seeing all these framed photographs of Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, <laughs> like you no, know, you when you see more than two, like you're like, you know, that's too many. It's cause for concern. But there was like <laughs> it's too many. Man, probably like ten. Ten framed photos of just denim clad, mullet a flowing, Billy Ray Cyrus strutting his stuff on stage. And then like I start looking at the stage and I'm like Oh, it's the same fucking stage. That theater where we saw John Prime was where he filmed the video for Icky Breaky Heart. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I thought you were in Mark's living room for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Just did I can't him tell on, you him how on, much I on. love that song. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so you, it's open to diversifying and going to other genres and everything. But when does that almost become death or almost become a joke? Um, because I, I hate the song. I hate the idea of the song because it's just – it's awkward sounding it's just ridiculous it was another viral song much like you know Gangnam Style or you know anything from ABBA or whatever you like you know things like that or you know pop songs from like the 90s Macarena things like that um it's one of those songs that is viral it's only gonna have some clout for a moment and then it's just gonna fade into obscurity so when is it a good idea to diversify, and when is it a bad idea, or I mean, is it never a good idea, or be, never a bad idea? To be completely honest, like I can't stand the song. I think right. it's terrible. I think that like artists like Lil Nas X are not very impressive. And no, they don't they don't hold a lot uh, it's, it's, for yeah, the industry of hip hop. But what this song is doing is actually like very effective and super intelligent for what it is right. because they're mixing two genres that are already extremely similar. When you talk about country and hip hop, they're like really very similar, and they're hitting a huge demographic of people with the song. So it's uh-huh. like extremely successful for a reason. They're just using a formula so, yeah, that I works and they kind of like created a new 
addition to a an old formula. Yeah, I heard you know? a term. Was it hip hop? Somebody said the other day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I've never that, heard that before. No, that, is, that is more. So I mean, it's, I, see, that, it's going to make a genre of music that is more common than you think. So it's yep. going to be successful in that it will make the money that they wanted to yeah. make. I didn't think the song was that country, other than the lyrical content to me. Because right. when you listen, if you take away the words and listen to the the music, there's nothing country style about well, it. That's what I was saying about like when you talk about modern country, which is pop. And yeah, you talk about modern hip hop, which is pop. Well, that's the true, two are yeah. like really identical. The, the direction so, I mean, that they, country has gone. They're kind of like an amorphous. They're both formulas, you know. It's, it's, oh, and yeah. that's really all the mainstream is now. Is How do you like your sugar, formulaic. red or blue? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like it's all formulaic. It's the same shit, and it's all shit. That's what I feel like it is. Like that's. that's so what do you think? The, what do you think about being a hip hopper of like the the rise of the mumble? I absolutely, I, I suck. Right. Honestly, I'm. <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah, like, I, mean, I don't. Shit. I don't think that was the question. <laughs> I'm not saying how well are you, but I'm just like the, the idea of just like like someone like Post Malone that just blew up because of SoundCloud, and he seems like a very genuine, like shocked individual. Like I don't even realize that I'm supposed to be this popular. Who'd have thought? But people, people like it. So like, yeah, I look like a shopping cart herder at Walmart. You know? <laughs> Post Malone impressed me because I saw videos across the internet of him playing like. Nirvana covers yeah. on our guitar and stuff, and I he legitimately sounded good. I was yeah, like, no, "Why are you doing hip hop when you're so, when you got pipes like that?" I, uh, so I went to uh, a concert years ago where I went to watch Lil Wayne and um, T Pain. They went on tour together, and T Pain. We all know T Pain is just you know he's the auto tune king. He like originated this sound. But I see him on stage. He gets up for a solo set where he sits down with an acoustic guitar and sings without any auto tune. Oh, yeah. His voice is beautiful. And it's just the same question. I was like, why is this the thing? That's Wasting not, talent. You know, but it's it's money. It's what makes the money. He's on Tiny Desk. Did you see his Tiny yeah, Desk? Yeah, and it was man? amazing. Yeah. Did awesome. he, didn't he mention like, it too? He was like, oh, y'all didn't know I could sing yeah, though. Because some of these people have like insane <laughs> talent, but that's all, that's all being like backburnered for what's going to make the money. And like, for whatever reason, Post Malone looking like a homeless person and singing garbage is making the money. I've only seen him. I've never heard Post or, Malone. Yeah, or never heard any of his songs or something. I mean, his he, videos, but I've seen him. He looks not like terrible. He looks like a high school desk. It's not the worst. And he does a thing where like the whatever they have like a specific vocal effects that they use for Post Malone. Uh-huh. Where it's like almost an okay. auto tune, but it's not. It like kind of adds like a vibrato. Man, it's a weird. At this point, it's like almost like reverb, but it's like his, extra reverb. But it's like it his would, sound. Yeah. And okay, he like cool. he does these like hip hop pop songs and like he's got a, he's got his own sound and for whatever reason it's just like it's, I'll have to check him you know, out you know and that's the thing and we get back onto that like little Nas X song where it's like the thing about like pop music right now is that it's all like blending together it the is. formula is being used and applied across the board and it, so like it, your top 100 could contain anything from country to an actual pop song but they all like sound really fucking similar and everything is and 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 it doesn't it doesn't help that mainstream radio uh is so strict now on on playing music and everything that you know at one time one of the stations that i work for um played four singles because they were all in the charts of Ariana Grande, four separate songs. So you were literally hearing her once, maybe twice an hour, which is unheard of to hear the same artist twice in one hour. It's really sad because where are we mm-hmm. getting the like the exposure for like the the true talent that are coming out of nowhere? You know, you'll get maybe once a month. You'll get the new person that's going to be played six times every hour. And I think that's why the era of streaming services is 
as much as it's not helping the musicians monetarily wise, it helps discovery wise the exposure, the exposure of, of music because doing research for, you know, someone like drew, you try to do it on by normal means. It would be very difficult with the idea of streaming services, literally type in AS Coomer and found all the singles and all the places. So I can jump from one place to another and just do my research days before coming into into here and talking. It, it's helpful for discovery and the, and, and we've talked about this recently on, on our Rover episode. Um, and if you haven't checked that out yet, you know, go do so cheap plugs at the end of the episode. Um, whoop, whoop. the, the, <laughs> just whoop, whoop. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, whoop, whooting your cool plug. Okay. Thank you. I thought you said whoop. And it's like, I didn't know this is an ICP you, podcast. You, didn't, you walked past ICP all the Pagos. Podcast. I don't right. understand. I, <laughs> I don't understand ICP references. So. I, yeah. This close to Detroit, I'd watch They're you. They're lost on that, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll fight a juggalo. <laughs> I love Fago. <laughs> I just had it the other day. Uh, <laughs> if I got away, how you can expect my Left my heart on the road, stole a brick. 
Spotify might end up bursting and you're going to see more instead of na- these national tours. Um, you're going to see these now like regional tours and, and areas of the country that are super, um, super saturated with the, uh, with the music of one artist. Um, and like, so you'll have a handful of artists that are really popular in the Midwest may do well across the pond, maybe going across, you know, the, the coasts, and things like that, but in like the Midwest or like the Bible Belt or down south or you know East Coast, West Coast, they'll be super saturated with a style of music. Oh, based on Spotify stream information. Yeah, but not even like that. But just like when Spotify just ends up being like the place, like not everybody's going to be on Spotify, and everybody's going to kind of almost revert back to the like tape trading or vinyl or just like live show and everything. Like it's going to be very specifically tailored to that style of music the whole streaming age like you know the age of the record label is kind of an interesting it's an interesting time for that you know because it used to be like when you were in a band or or you have a record out and if you're big enough to be on a label they fronted the money for all that but with the streaming service thing cutting a huge chunk out of a lot of the record label money like you know you see most bands tour on their own so the regional thing kind of is a thing by necessity i think the record label helps with just execution it helps with um with status, yeah. even though as much as you know, you know anybody can say oh, we're a record label or whatever, like, but it still helps with the status and the, and the people who put it on there because you know, you know, we we we've interviewed people who have been signed and we've interviewed people that have been not signed, and both quality of what they have put out are, is great. So it just helps on just like getting them out there and getting bigger shows and rising more to the top to maybe eventually we'll hear like. If if you know modern radio, if more modern corporate radio ever gets its head out of its ass and realizes that they're like there are better acts out there that are assigned to smaller labels, that it doesn't necessarily have to be Warner Brothers. We can go, you can go to In Vogue and listen to their stuff. Equal Vision, you know, all these other ones, Head to Wall, uh, you know, Take This to Heart. All these people that are on a label may not be mainstream labeling, but you know, it may not be. Uh, countrywide but it's still great enough that these are the people that they represent and these are the, the artists they do and this is the the catalog and people like it so big oh if if corporate radio pulls its own head out well of ass, you, you know, know i don't know it's man it's not gonna happen um yeah <laughs> yes and no i don't and, have like a lot of faith in it that might be wrong of me just to be close-minded about it but i just uh, I, I have no faith. well i mean the end of the day that's what you're used to is when you get in your car you turn on the radio and you listen to whatever um but it, it's become more syndicated it's become i haven't listened it, to the radio it's, and, i don't not, yeah, I, I mean just, it's it's in a building 
and I, I mean, I don't want to dog my own job, but at the same time, there needs to be a real conversation about like the idea of you need to have those local personalities. You need to have that local feel because everything is becoming syndicated. And yeah, don't get me wrong. People come up to me. It's like, I listen, I don't listen to regular radio. I listen to satellite. Okay. I don't listen to satellite either. Like, like, like I don't, satellite is like lower quality sounding stuff and no commercials and everybody concurs. That's, that's only the appeal of satellite is like, there's just genre specific, you know, channels and the sound quality compared to a lot, like the base, the, the recording you would hear on radio or even just from listening on streaming services or your computer or from records is actually lower quality than what you actually hear. So you're just really paying for no commercials and people yokeling from a studio in New York instead of from where you're actually listening from. I've never cared to listen to somebody talk. You know, like I've never. Which is awkward. You're on a podcast. Well, you know, like like, the whole radio, (laughs) the whole radio thing. (laughs) Like, you know, to tell people what to listen to and to be the one to choose that and stuff. Man, I've always been that guy. Like, I don't want you to tell me what to read. I don't want you to tell me what to listen to. I want to discover it and and have my own ideas about these things. Don't you're not my real dad. All of that, man. Like, you know, there's a whole lot of the whole control stuff Mm -hmm. in 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 everything. And then you get these big corporations behind radios, and they're gonna push. You know who who they're who they're funding right now, and who gives a fuck? So, but so going from the then going to the south and like seeing so you know your experience of like what's going on in the Midwest and you know almost crossing that line from Ohio to Kentucky, and some can claim that Ohio might as well be part of the South, at least at certain parts of the uh, parts of Ohio should be. Um, but you know there there is a definite line between Midwest and and South. So it, when you come to music in the South. It's so heavy on, on, on country and folk and everything like that. Are you seeing the similar things that is happening in the Midwest with music than in the South? Or is it more genre-specific? Well, like, going from, like, Toledo to Owensboro and Louisville and all those, it still seems like barroom cover band culture reigns supreme in America, you know, in the South or the Midwest. There's this whole culture of complacency about America these uh-huh. days when it comes to the arts that's really kind of disgusting and unnerving um people would rather hear somebody sing the song that they've heard a hundred times the same way they've heard it um because something new has to be processed and felt and dealt with and that requires energy i don't like cover band culture i don't i don't like modern america like that's part of it like you know it's this whole idea how much time we got to talk about modern america how fucked up it is this is gonna merge into the next podcast i'll get let me get the sleeping bags. Yeah, right. This is gonna be an order. Order some Marco's pizza. Let's go with some Marco's pizza. Let's have a let's have a fucking eight hour conversation. We're talking about burning it down at Mike Rack Records, man. <laughs> and our corporate sponsor, <laughs> brought to you by Nestle. <laughs> burn down, burn down the uh, the, the management. With burn down with a fat glass of Nesquik. <laughs> Chocolate milk to soothe the soul. Chocolate milk. Yeah. Oh, Chocolate yeah. substance. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's that's you know you see that everywhere. Like I used to play up here, um, all the time in places. I could play almost any night if I wanted to. So it's good for a working musician to be around the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of places you can play, but you know it's geared towards this um, cover band culture. So most of your gigs are restaurant three four hour things of playing the people on dates or their family eating their dinners and like live jukebox. And there's a little little bit of. Oh, a war on the artist with that. Like, yeah, you're getting paid deep, but like, man, like, you know, there's something about you have to, that's a job. At that point, you're clocking in and you're, you know, you're, if you're yeah. playing to the dinner crowd, you're not. That makes sense. There's, 
I don't know. And, and that's what people want. You know, around uh, everywhere. Fuck what people want. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's Fuck why the I don't people. Li- I don't listen to your radio. Fornicate the people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, know. Mark, Fuck. your pills. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, chill out. Have a Snickers. Have a sponsor. Have, yeah, have a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I like how you said that is uh, that that restaurant culture and and being a musician doing the restaurant scene and making it as literally a job you're not an artist anymore you're just a you're, worker you're a musician you're a musician you know there's a difference between being like an artist and a musician and like you know if you're in a cover band you could be the most skilled guitar player or drummer or whatever in the world but if you're up there making your money off somebody else's songs to me there's this level of thievery in it and I. I've got like uh, you stealing this podcast from us yeah, just now. I'm going to. We don't see a dime anyway. Can you imagine like waking Jokes up in ten you. years, looking back on your last ten years, and you spent every night in a little dive bar playing? Um, I put your picture away, like you know, like that's, and that is your idea of of like your. I don't know. There's just something about that, and like that's an okay way of life for a lot of people. And I think things get boring when that becomes the acceptable thing. Like, didn't have the city paper have. Uh, best band in Toledo. It's a voted on thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, wasn't it like three years in a row a cover band? Yeah, I had the same conversation with my father recently because he's a he's a musician. He's been playing his whole life, and a lot of that time has been Papa Markertron. Yeah, Father Tron. Uh, Father's ooh, <laughs> Father Tron. I'm just kidding. That's actually my new name because I'm a <laughs> yeah. minister. Uh, uh, that is. He like ran on no- but, uh, Windows he, 95. Uh, he, he's that's what he had done for most the majority of the time was uh, cover cover mm. songs of like you know 60s 70s rock. And he just said that that's that's one of those things that like you know when you when they would go up there and play one of their songs, you know nobody was dancing. Mm-hmm. But that's like you said, it's what the people want. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. I don't know. And you, to me, you get one chance at the whole life thing. So like, there's a there's a there, there's a weight and a scale. What people want, your life. Like you've got to start to make the decision. And I picture being ten years down the road, and you did what they wanted your whole life. Like right. did you live it? You know, I want to feed my creativity. That's yeah. hungry. You know, it needs to eat, and I'm gonna feed it. I don't give a shit. I've I've literally had the conversation with people on like uh, some of the more recent music that I've done didn't sound like my previous stuff. And they're like maybe you should go back to that because that's the stuff that people really liked. And I was like, I don't give a shit what they liked because yeah. right. this is the thing that I wanted to do because it was a progression for me artistically and it fed my fucking soul. So I'm going to continue to do this. Do if you don't like it, yeah, if you don't like it, then maybe it's just not for you. Go somewhere else. Yeah, I'm man. sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to cater to that just because it's what, you know, somebody thinks that I should be doing. So does success then? Does success then? Um, does uh, sad sex? Does then? sad sex? <laughs> then? Does sad sex? Better then? podcast. Oh, <laughs> Good. Oh. This is That's, the operator uh, podcast after dark. This is Good my topic. <laughs> this week <laughs> is it good for you? <laughs> Are you crying or is your dick crying? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Find out next week on Sad Sex. <laughs> the saddest. Bike sack records. <laughs> Ball sack records. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've ruined it. <laughs> Does success then uh, determine how you make your music? Because you know you want everybody wants to make everybody wants to be successful in well, in, in the sense, but um, to get a massive scale and to become that point where you are actually end up getting radio play everything you have to end up being inside of a box but then does your own success then determine how you put your music out or you just do it whatever and whatever comes you have your own list of well you have to first you have to first define success because that's different for everybody you know success for me would be different from success 
to success for another person. I mean, these are things that are like that, for instance. Is it about making money or is it about making art? And which yeah. one fulfills you? Which one is your success story like, at the end of the day? Okay, so I've got this new novel coming out this fall. Uh, it's called Memorabilia. And it's one of the few times in my life where I, I undertook an artistic endeavor with a very specific goal in mind. Like what I... I had a view for the project and I knew what I wanted. You know, but sometimes with the novel, it's throwing it and chasing it and seeing where it goes kind of deal. This one, I knew what I wanted. And so, like, I feel like I'm successful in the novel. It's not even out yet. But I did what I've set out to do. Like, whether or not it's going to be, you know, whether it's going to be enjoyable for different people is different. But, like, I that novel does what it needs to do. It's this very experimental prose thing and I you know so success is project based to me it really depends on what you're working on like I don't think there's like I think if you start saying like success and broad like you're gonna sound like Donald Trump or something you know like I'm a successful man like success is 10 million dollars you know success is not to me it's like a stamp you can put on your life you know it's a collection of moments and stuff and things and that's how I judge success based on whatever that project or that song is out you know whether it worked
I want to take a quick break in the middle of this podcast to first off thank you for listening thus far to the On The Radar podcast. And if you like what you hear and you want to be more involved in this wonderful project, well, check us out at our Patreon page. Now, depending on what level you donate a monthly fee, you can get a better experience and a more in-depth and involved experience with the On The Radar podcast. We do this podcast to not only show love for the Midwest, but to show all of these great music these men and women who are working hard to get their art out into the world, and we are giving a stage for it. There are links in the episode description. There are links at our social media pages. Consider checking us out and donating at our Patreon page. Let's talk about a little bit about your writing, Drew. Um, Rush's Deal came out December of 2016, The Fetishists, March of 17, and I obviously the most recent one that you've just dropped fairly recently, Devil's Gospel. Um, tell me a little bit about, let, let's start with, I mean, the basics of the first two, um, Rush's deal is about the dark side quest of knowledge. Um, the fetish, the fetishists, it's hard to say sometimes. You get some messes in there. Yeah. Uh, rich lawyer likes, uh, likes kinky stuff and goes awry when he wants to go to a fetish auction. Yeah. And then the most recent one, let's talk, let's dive deeper a little bit on this one. Devil's gospel. Yeah, Devil's Gospel is, you know, it's an older novel for me. It's funny, it came out so recently, but I probably wrote it five years ago. Um, it's it's an out-and-out out thriller. Like, you know, it's it's one of those, um, it tells a story and it tells it fast. You know, there's, there's not a lot of fat on it. It's economical in what it does, and it does a certain thing. But it does a certain thing in an interesting way. It's not airport fiction. Um, I, I played around with the whole idea of cults in America and how we kind of, you know, we, we fetishize cults, you know, from Jim Jones to everybody. Like, cults in America are fascinating. We love them, right? You yeah, know? Murderers and things like that. And also, at the same time, we talked about, before we even started, fandoms. Yep. Is almost like the their own set Serial of Serial killer culture. You know, yep. that's a thing. Like, people have... Tat, portrait tattoos of like say Dahmer or something just because that's their favorite serial killer like you can have a favorite yeah. serial killer now. I had an like ex, that's I, a thing my first you know? ex uh, uh, was waiting for the day that Jeffrey Dahmer was would uh, at least be on parole of some sort so he can actually write a novel Whoa. about everything yeah my, I'm starting the first person to touch my penis other than my mother and doctor so you know <laughs> well, of course I was all for it there's some can uh, I get that sound clip <laughs> 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 it might be, the, might be the sound clip for uh, promoting this episode. Next time anyway. you see him, his phone's going to ring, and it's just going to be that as the ringtone. Intro to my next album. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll let you have that. I'll be, <laughs> you, you put that on record. You can more than happy use that quote. Sample it. Sample. Title anyway. Dahmer Dick. Oh, uh, I don't know where we're going with that. Uh, the idea of uh, uh, we we are uh, a nation of cults. Oh yeah, so like um, you know, I based the book in Kentucky. I was living in Eastern Kentucky at the time, which is gorgeous. I don't know if you guys do a lot of hiking or camping, any of that stuff. No, okay, I do. Um, I prefer the outdoors to cities, so Toledo was a stretch for me to live here anyway. But I was living in Eastern Kentucky at the time. I was writing the Devil's Gospel, and there's this park there called the Redderburg Gorge. Um, it's awesome but there's this plant that you can only find in the world in the red river gorge it's called the white-haired goldenrod and it, it lives in this sandy soil in uh like rock cliff overhangs and it's they call it the right uh rock castle goldenrod it only grows there and the leaves are super thin i remember stumbling upon some and almost stepping on them and picking them up and you can like almost see the ridges in your fingers under them sometimes if you get close enough real thin and just being the weird guy i am i thought about developing this cult where they you know this leaf 
if you hold it above some Bible verses and move, it's almost like a Ouija board. You know, they, they think they're getting some sort of other verses from the Bible, lifting something with this magical force. And, you know, the whole American cult thing is just fun to play with. And the book kind of wrote itself from there. It was that, quick. That sounds know? fascinating. Yeah, that uh, sounds can we make sure copies of that make it to bike rack? Oh, sure. Yeah, I got some in the truck. I'd yeah, I'll leave you guys yeah some. I would yeah. definitely read that. That's yeah. really cool. Um, it, so... Where can people find those novels at? Well, I've got um, his truck. He just said it. And also his truck. <laughs> yeah, in my truck. Everybody just come to the truck. I live out of it. Um, <laughs> you know, find me by the river. Like uh, ascoomer.com. Um, I'll sign books and mail them to you there. But each of the publishers, um, I have different publishers for each novels thus far. Um, I don't have one publisher I'm working with. Uh, you can find them from their sites. Amazon has them. Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Uh, a couple libraries they're starting to pop up in libraries around the country that was hey. weird yeah there you go somebody sent me a photo um from the owensboro uh library i don't know how they got it but the fetish is there and it was on one of their end caps and it was funny it was like right next to like um oh who's that big uh, airport fiction writer uh, janet avakovich or something it was right next to her it was like you know one for the money and then the fetishists you know like that's how you know you made it airport yeah. fiction and then a book with a piss scene in it like <laughs> you know like, there's a golden shower scene in this you know fantastic <laughs> give me uh i want to take just a quick step back airport uh what was that term you used airport, airport fiction fiction De- is that basically fiction that you can read while waiting on a the plane? Mindless, it'll get you through a two-hour flight. Okay, you know, you're talking like a got time, a long a time soap to opera kill. story that's yeah. going to take you about three hours to read. Thirty thousand words. You're in and out. Your plane landed, and you didn't learn a thing, but you didn't have to listen to the person snore next to you. You know. Okay. Yeah. And that's the types of stories you 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 want to try for you you, you like those in and out those quick little oh no absolutely like, not no, no okay. I was saying the, the fetishist was on an end cap at the oh, library sorry. right next sorry, right, yeah. next, right to next to the Janet Ivakovich and I thought that placement that dichotomy was wonderful so you want like, you, know, you want these these stories to, for people to think and soak in and have multiple reads yeah out of. you know the fetishist is a subversive novel it's funny um. People, I, I it's kind of got this cult thing about the fetishes now. Like people, like I don't know, talk about it, and like I'll see see talk about it on the internet. Um, people get these ideas of what the fetishes is. They think it's uh, torture porn for the sake of torture porn or something. You know, when Saw those Saw movies came out, the whole like making making your viewer or reader squirm thing that you know that's been around for a while, but like that popularized it, and people get this idea that the fetishes is torture porn. But the premise of the fetishist was to take this idea of chauvinism and male dominance and flip it on its head. You have a rich white entitled attorney who thinks he can buy people, you know, and then you just reverse the situation in the most fucked up way possible. And that's and the fetishist. The target. Yeah. Um, and so each, each of my books is like, you know, it's kind of like, you got to follow what's interesting. Like, you know, you may work, you may work in this genre. You were talking about blending all these different things, rap, hip hop, books, stories, genre. If you start limiting yourself to one thing, you're going to get bored. And and if you start classifying a book as one thing, you're going to get bored. Like the fetishists, you know, it's its own thing. You know, it's kind of like in The Shining, it's its own thing. Like it's yeah, kind of reminiscent of like when when a new band comes out and they're trying to like they have like fifteen keywords for what kind of yeah. music they are. Like yeah. you know, we're post hardcore punk. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 almost like humorous in a way, but it's I mean, it's just like it's good because it's indicative of where we are now. That it's just like genres are just being yeah. created. There's just all fresh Every, new new sounds. And, everybody forgets it's four dudes or you know four people and in instruments or it's one dude in a book. Like you know these genres become their thing. I will I will say 
say though, uh, for someone trying to get and for something like a platform like this and trying to get more ideas onto everything and put the, these people out there, you kind of need those genres as a starting mm-hmm. point, right? Yeah. Umbrella to an umbrella. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I got an upcoming act that I've seen literally three different, three different media um, posts about them in three different genres. So I have no idea what the fuck to call them. Um, but I'm going to bring them up when I interview them later yeah. and, and go, you know, they are blank, blank, blank. And what is your feeling about this? And then maybe that will circle down a new talking point about like the idea of genre based and whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I saw them at a festival that was literally one specific style of genre, but you know, that, that is helpful for us on this end yeah. of everything so we can have a good starting point and to just offer all of these because, you know, we want to provide the stage for all these artists. So we have to kind of give some kind of explanation and yeah. then go, we're defined as blank, but we don't feel like it's blank because at the end of the day it is one, two, three, four, nine, nine, ten dudes yeah. in a room and on stage, whatever, banging God knows what yeah, or who, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> back to the sex the, podcast yeah. again. All right. <laughs> and it all comes back. Um, um, so what's the then the most recent, uh, I know you briefly talked about it, but um, what can you give us kind of a, like a couple of uh, one, two sentence explanation of the next novel you're working on? Yeah, well, the next one that's going to be published probably, um, I've got a couple of things in, in the works. Memorabilia is a novel... Um, it's an existential experimental thing. Uh, and it's the thing where I told you I set out to, we were talking about success earlier and and I set out to unmake the novel and the approach for me and how I, how I write it. The prose breaks down halfway through this novel into prose poems and the the actual line for line sentence of the book breaks down as you follow this main character who loses his mind. Um, and so like I was trying to just rework how a book works and for me, like, you know, you can do the same thing over and over again and learn something new every time. Um, but then also you can do the same thing over and over again and not learn anything. And this was me trying to learn something new every time. And I did. And I think that's why I feel like the book's successful. If nobody reads it, that would suck for me. But at the same time, like, it was important for me to write this. Like, I learned a lot about who I am and how I do things from this book. And so I think it's a success, even if it's not. But... That being said, buy memorabilia when it comes out in <laughs> oh, October yeah. or I mean, November. Buy, buy, buy. I will. It's coming I'm like, out on 11-11 Press. Yeah, based on, what, based on what you've just said, I'm like hugely supportive. I like of the idea well, of yeah. just like, I'm all like the, that punk mentality of just breaking down the fucking, you know, yeah, pick man. your brother up, break, pick your sister up and break down the establishment because God do we need to break down the establishment right now. Anybody who's working for themselves and what they believe in. Uh, you should really just ban with those people, regardless of whether or not taste-wise you're in it. If someone's heart is in it and they're putting all of their soul into it and they're being creative, like we're all in this together at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Independent yeah. artists, people with not a big financial machine backing them, like you know, like hip hop and like I don't play hip hop, but like, dude, let's share shows. Like you know, like that's the, that's yeah. the approach you need to have if you're if you're trying to talk about community. support, man. You're, you have yeah, to support people, the community of they throw it around like it's a hashtag, hashtag community, and then nobody shows up or shares exactly. or buys the album or exactly. reads the book or and whatever. That, and man. that's why I always enjoy like when I put on shows that are always mixed genre shows because For sure. I always love the idea of just like these different walks of life all coming together and what you may like, mm-hmm. they the, the, you could also like this. And you there's got, no reason to be against each other, right? You know, and I've seen it, and it's it's like 
like it's toxic and violent. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's no reason for it at the end of the day. Like maybe maybe I don't like country at all, you know, but I'd still definitely right. fully support yeah. a country artist. Around. I feel like, and I I mean, I got burned before when I wanted to like lean towards certain types of artists. And like with this podcast being a former radio show that I've talked about, like I, for the radio show, I needed a weekly program. So I needed to get guests every week. Yeah. So I had to get anybody in any kind of act. This time around, I'm, I'm searching out, I'm seeking out acts that have something there, some kind of structure. There's a reason by everything. And, 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 and I had an artist recently like got sour with me because I didn't want to get them right away or I say oh. I you know I wanted something a little bit more uh, from you guys I'm like what I've heard is not bad but I kind of want a little bit more about it hmm. and it's unfortunate because you know I, I like them as people and I don't have any ill will towards them but I just want I like there was something more I wanted to wait on them yeah. before them because maybe maybe they'll grow success wise and maybe they'll get a little bit bigger or maybe they'll get a little bit more depth and everything but right now it's just like it was just kind of white bread I'm looking for sourdough. I'm looking for wheat. You know, you want I'm that raw bread, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking for a little bit more, a little oomph to it. Um, and unfortunately, I got into a big spaz out and everything. But I, you know, I apologize. I was like, that was not my intention. I hope, you know, everything and everything's fine. But you know, I always just felt bad because, uh, like, you know, in the back of my head and like my own anxiety and my own mental state, I was like, like, am I going to lose these people? Is like good people? Is my name yeah. going to be ruined? And at the end of the day, I'm like, this is my, this is my creative outlet. Yep. You know, I don't have, you know, something with uh, with my with name my name on it right now, like in the in the worlds of like the arts. This is my art. It, right. yeah. it is giving this platform to talk to entertain and everything. I even talked about recently on Facebook that like I'm not on air live like I used to be uh, in radio stations anymore and I've taken a step back and I've taken a management job and I've taken you know the idea of setting up events and help mm -hmm. running them and help execute them and I'm not the star and I take solace to the fact that you know what I'm okay now not being the star because it's not about me yeah. but I take solace in the fact that I enjoy what I do and I enjoy the hard work that I put into and everybody at the end of the day is very entertained for what they do and that makes me happy I mean they're all they're all cogs in the machine I right. mean, just because you're not in the forefront doesn't mean that you're not nearly as important right I mean you're still a hero in the right. system it still works but going from the fr from the front of the house to the back of the house yep. being from like the server to chef right. is a little bit harder or well, maybe that's not the best um i mean i've always shined away from the yeah. light you know it's funny like i do like the whole singing and band and all that stuff but i've hated talking and i hate being in front of people <laughs> if you've ever seen like my band the coomers or if you've seen me play solo like you'll notice like if like i don't talk like, there's no banter. There's no stories in the songs. Usually I'm like, listen, you're getting your money's worth. I'm going to play for an hour and a half, and you're going to get, like, fucking 70 songs. Here's the like, name of the know, song. Let's there's go. There's no tuning song. Hey, that's like There's something unnerving about it. Like, you know, the song or whatever is supposed to do it. To me, like, if you have to, like, well, the backstory of the song, if that makes the song more enjoyable, that's fine. But, like, to me, it's supposed to be its thing. Like, Let I, them interpret it. Yeah, like, I Let don't want... You know, Let them decide what it's me. about. Yeah, yeah. Show me the art. That's like the, us being you, you like the, like the vagueness. Yeah, yeah. That's like us being the engineers. Like people don't. We're not the stars. People don't know our names, but they see. They hear the music. They hear Groove Canoe. You know, or like you know any band, Nirvana. Nobody. Who who knows Butch Vig's name? Yeah. But who knows Smells Like Teen Spirit? You know. Right. It's like, it's not about being the star. It's about being part of making that art. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And speaking of uh, not necessarily being the star, you have somewhat of a. Uh, drew like a record label of sorts as they, oh, yeah. they explain about it for your poems well they're not mine um it's called lost long or for gone. the poems yeah me. lost long gone forgotten records is this project i started um 
where I record one poet, usually reading two po two of their poems or one extended poem in certain uh, cases, and then um, I record them reading their poems, and I go in later and add found sound or instrumentation or whatever to fill out that poem. And then I usually, uh, depending on what's going on in my life, <laughs> I release one single a month. Think of it like an old 45, A-side, B-side is the way I approach it. Digitally, of course, because I'm broke. But... Um, they're neat. You know, I've got poets from all over the country, like, you know, like big name poets, no name poets, you know, it's people that are unpublished kind of thing, you know, and then people that are published in big places. Like, it's just neat. It's a neat project for me. What, was, super neat. Was, it's super, super rad. <laughs> yeah. Super, super neat. Nito, yeah. Nito Burrito. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. The, the band you, name. You can have the that. Coomers. Go Nito Burrito. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nito Burrito. Just give me a shirt. Two X, please. I'm a fat guy. Uh, uh, what's been one of your favorite uh, poems that you've uh, you've put out? Oh, poems. That's far. That uh, On that label. And then you do your own poetry. Yeah. Of course. Um, so what's one of your favorites that you've recorded? And what's one of your favorites of your own? Well, one of my favorites that I've recorded is probably Bob Phillips's poem. Um, it's, it's two side, but like, that's just because it's Bob Phillips, Bob Phillips. If you don't know, um, you know, when I said I moved to Toledo, it was a crass unwelcoming place, but I met the coolest people in Toledo. Mm -hmm. We call Bob Phillips, the poet laureate of the East side. Like this dude has oh. been writing poems for 40 years, 50 years, something like that. And he's, he's one of the best in the country. And I've been all over the country for, for poetry readings and I've read in places and Bob Phillips is right here in Toledo. Nobody in Toledo knows who he is. And that hurts me. <laughs> and so like, you know, Bob, the Bob Phillips release, it was like, I think my second or third one for lost, long gone, forgotten records. So I don't think my end of it was as good as I am now, or as, you know, as polished kind of what I'm doing for the found sound instrumentation backing of the poem. But that's my favorite just because that's Bob Phillips. And I'm, as my little part of like, y'all should read Bob Phillips, yeah. you know? Yeah. But my other thing, I, uh, I run this uh, small press too called Cockleburr Press. We publish poetry. It's what again? Cockleburr Press. You know Cockleburr? those stick tights that get stick to your socks or something? Oh, yeah. Side? Those are Cockleburrs. Oh, I never knew. Yeah. What, I thought it was just burrs. I and didn't so, know there was an actual yeah, we're, we're, subgenre. We got uh, Bob Phillips' book in the work, and we, we, should, we should have it done um, in the next couple months. So there should be a full-length Bob Phillips book that should be everywhere. Everybody should have it in their house soon. But that's my favorite Lost Long I've Forgotten Records release. I think my favorite poem that I've ever published, um, when the Paris attacks happened, I was at this little bar in Toledo called The Trunk that used to have the best poetry reading. It's a, they say it's a private club because they don't want to pay the liquor license, I think. You know, it's one of those kind of things. <laughs> well, but, you know. Busted. I don't think I don't think the trunk exists anymore. I, I, yeah, I think I, I think it was one of those things that popped up while I was up in Toledo, and I, don't, I think it kind of fizzled out. But it was the, it was a poetry hotspot, man. Everybody from Toledo that was in a, in the poems, which is a, you know it's probably like fifty people in Toledo, which is a big amount of I mean, poets are like cats; they're hard to find sometimes. Right. They don't want to be found, but they're all over the internet. But that was the spot, you know. Everybody no, no, would no, come no, through sorry. there. But I was there one <laughs> night when the when the Paris shootings happened, and um, you know, everybody I guess got glued to their TV. And it was poetry reading night, and it was just me and the host, Stormy, sitting at the bar watching these surrealist images of just, like, you know, lights and tears and body bags. And, and I was, you know, I came to this place for art, and then, you know, uh, instead I just got these surrealist images of, of death and destruction. I wrote this poem about it, and, um, you know, it came out in Folded Oak Literary Magazine a while back. And for some reason, that's the poem that I love the most. It's the last couple of lines are like, um, with the strongest voice in my quiet self, I will sing. And like the whole poem's about how like there's all these 
forces at work that try to just destroy and and like you know even if your voice is cracked even if your voice is frail like you know you got to sing at the end of the day if you've got a song and that's kind of like you know just carrying on even in the face of all this ugliness and so i think that's my my favorite poem that i'm it's probably not my best written poem but like it was one of those moments you know powerful words man yeah i I got really nothing. To, I got just keep stealing the show. Yeah. It's a well. I mean, it is about him. So I mean, <laughs> okay. he keep stealing his own show. <laughs> Y'all can have it. Way to go! <laughs> Commercial break for tears. I know. Right? Brought to you by Nestle. <laughs> Nestle chocolate tears. <laughs> We're getting sued. We're all getting sued by Nestle. <laughs> you know what? I'd be more they than be, happy. They should be paying us. What are you talking I know. about? Honestly, that would be the biggest thing that's happened to Bike exactly. Rack, so I'm well, ready I mean, for it. You guys, if y'all got a commercial out of this, like, <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. Bike Rack <laughs> Records, sued by Nestle. <laughs> well, like, everybody would be coming the through. Straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all gonna record nothing but like those anarchist folk punk bands yeah. from here on out. At I'm this ready. Point. I'm like, ready. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and your house is gonna smell bad. Like, I love those dudes' heart, but goddamn shower, bro. <laughs> like, you know, like there's a certain point where you're like, I'm about to hit you with the hose, dude. I want to support what you do, but you no. gotta wash some of that off. I'm all for the best. <laughs> it's not. It is punk to shower. So I mean, they're wearing that Sex Panther. Oh God, oh, real gasoline, <laughs> pungent. <laughs> it smells like Bigfoot's dick. <laughs> That's one of the best parts. Yeah, dude. it really is. Oh, it smells like it smells like Indian food in a diaper. Yeah, yeah. burnt hair or something. Hosing <laughs> them off behind Sting. the station. Stings the nostrils. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. So, what's coming up with uh, AS Coomer? Uh, so the Coomers, it's which is a band I started when I moved back to Kentucky in June. It's my brother Ethan Coomer plays drums, and we met this dude who's my I call him a Coomer brother now. Ross Clark plays bass. Um, Honorary yeah. Coomer. Yeah, you know, every, Clark, anybody Coomer. who shares the stage with me or my friends, that's you're a Coomer, dude. Get over it. Like you know, you, you don't want to be in the Kentucky family, but you're in, man. But uh, I moved down there and I, I saw this band called the Gaslight Anthems play, and I stole their bass player, or I'm borrowing him pretty much, and that's how we got Ross. But the Coomers just recorded. We have a record coming out, um, and we're not sure what we're gonna call it just yet. But it's six songs recorded live. Call it Nito Burrito. Nito Burrito. Well, you know, it's funny. We're thinking about calling it Pretty Good. Because one one practice, my brother, just out of the blue, I could tell he was spacing out. He's like, guys, we got to change the band name. We're not the Coomers. And, you know, of course, me, the only other Coomer there, turn around, like, looking at him. He's like, yeah, we're going to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and he was dead serious in it. So I'm thinking, like, that'd be kind of a funny EP name, right? Six yeah, songs. it's really nice. Pretty good. Like that, yeah. And then just get, like, a big OK stamp and put it on the front. Okay. Yeah, I like that a lot. But so I got, you know, we got that coming out. I've got a record with my buddy Zach from Inglewood Labor Camp. Um, it's called The Badlands. That record's coming out real soon. And that is a song, uh, 10 songs. I did five, he did five. Um, we like narrative, folky songs. So we decided we were going to make Toledo's Nebraska record, which is Bruce Springsteen's most stripped down recording. He made uh, this collection of songs on a four track that he was demoing for the rest of the bands, these sparse story songs. Um, and we wanted to make Toledo's version of that. So we got a four track. And we got a bottle of Buffalo Trace and about 90 Bush Lights or whatever we were drinking at the time. And we made a record. <laughs> um, and all these narrative story songs all set in the Badlands. That's coming out real soon. I've got um, a novel on 11.11 Press coming out in either October or November called Memorabilia. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. I've got two collections of short stories coming out. One of them is um, crime fiction. It's uh, a novella and probably I think there's five other stories in it. And that's called Misdeeds. 
Um, that's coming out early 2020. Um, and I also have another collection of literary short stories called The Flock Unseen. And that's five literary, um, you know, those kind of stories that are the in-betweens. They don't quite fall into a genre, you know, um, those kind the of B-sides. Well, sort of. You know, there's kind of like things that don't, they don't really have a necessary uh, label you can attach to them. You know, there's, they're like the oddball stories. Uh, I really like that collection. It's a really slim collection of five really short stories. That's coming out. It's called The Flock Unseen. That'll be on Claire Songbird's Publishing House Press. Um, I also have uh, a novella called Suicide Highway coming out on Rust Belt Press. Um, I have another novella coming out on Rust Belt called Kronowski. Um, and then I have uh, a new collection of uh, poems that uh, I'm working on finalizing right now. Wow. You are a factory. Wow. Got, I got one more novel that I'm editing now called Never Sing Again, and it's ready to send out. So I'm trying to hope with when Member Boo comes out, we're talking about sending, the publisher's going to send out some advanced reader copies to some kind of bigger review places. Right. So I'm hoping I can garner some sort of attention off of that to sell. Now, this this novel I'm getting ready to start shopping around called Never Sing Again to a, to a bigger thing and springboard that. But I just started writing a new novel about a serial killer, speaking of our serial killer fetishes. <laughs> uh and I just started writing that one. That one's going to be subversive in the same vein as the fetishists. It's going to be about flipping power and dominance and misogyny through a serial killer. We're going to have a, a religious-based serial killer who kills only unwed pregnant women in this symbolic fatherhood or fatherhood thing, um, and this strong female lead detective who's all about humanism. And they're going to—that's the basis Holy for that. Holy shit! Yeah, that sounds cool. rad as hell. Is this just a big year for you, or do you put this much out every no, single yeah. year? You know. I was trying to say like you have to be your own worst boss if you don't have if you if you don't have a company you know as coomer is my company that's who i am and it's like no one's gonna make me write these books or write these songs i have to do them in in general or i'll go crazy like i, I kind of i'm on that knife's edge of insanity as is most of the time and if i don't create like it's over so i've kind of learned in my old age at 31 that i have to structure my life um, I have to wake up every day at seven. I have to go straight to the laptop, do my 2000 words. Then I eat lunch. Then I do my five mile run. And then in the afternoons I pick up the guitar or I go straight into the lost song. I've forgotten records or I do that. You know, like I have to structure my life to get stuff done. You know, right. that's incredible. That's awesome. You are just a hell of an individual drew. And I really do appreciate you coming through and, talk with us and oh, thanks for having me yeah man. of course yeah. I'm very excited for everything so Mike Mark I, I know that's uh, you hate to follow all of that stuff but you guys are busy with right, bike rack right now nope no we're not nope. we're not we're not we're not talking nope. about it nope. uh, we actually just shut the doors yeah. <laughs> we're just leaving right close for business yeah to his booth. <laughs> yeah but yeah. it has uh, we're only you know not even halfway through this year and it's already been like really big for what we're trying to do with our studio we've gotten we started a new album with a Toledo band called Paco is Desperate mm -hmm. that you're going to be working with really that soon. That's a great band name. It is yeah. Great. I'm fascinated with, uh, his real name is Ashley, and uh, I'm very fascinated about Paco is Desperate and the stories behind yeah. it and his personal struggle uh, with drugs and addiction oh, and things man. like that. Yeah. So that, that is an episode that yeah, it's, really I, raw, it, it's going to be really like fucking emotional like i fully believe that someone is going to be crying by the oh yeah end. yeah we, probably me we've but known, we've known him for literally as long as we've been recording them and I, like, he's he's already like he's just a really he's like a really personable person and like, he's really nice. he's, he's sincere he's, he's, he's easy genuine, to talk yeah. to mm -hmm. 
He's just a really genuine dude. So it's been really cool. Hell yeah. And we just like made some new friends. Yeah. So we got a full album for him coming. Uh, We're both working on new albums for our individual projects that are, I mean, they're in house, so they're not making us any money, but you know, it's not what it's about. Yeah. And then we've gotten a couple uh, feelers out. People have reached out to us for just minor projects. So we've got like, you know, upwards of five or six projects happening right now. And so, you know, it's it, we're going uphill right now, yeah, so I mean, we're really pumped like, about it. Like you noted, those at the size mm-hmm. of the building. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> the Bil- building. building. <laughs> we put that in Quote quotations. Unquote, yeah. I'm trying but, to push uh, Todd Ellison to get into bike rec records. So we did the group canoe record here, you know, like the full band, mm-hmm. but Todd needs acoustic solo. Absolutely. Like, I was actually I keep trying to push him. I'm like, Dude, call it. your boys. Yeah. Get in there. Get in the yeah, bike, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I, we, I talk, well... I just left that job because I'm now a full-time audio engineer. But you know, I yeah, I, I heard that. Congrats. Yeah, thanks a lot. So I, I tell Todd all the time, like, yo, get back to the get back to bike ride, dude, because I know that he's got his own stuff. Just right down the damn. Oh, road. I know. You really know what I'm saying, too. like, Todd. And I've actually <laughs> I've enlisted him to come do like a small narration part for my album that I'm working on because yeah. you know he's got that. He's got that sultry voice. He's Talk and pr- sing. Todd is literally like oh, the yeah. CEO of Chill. For the, for those that, of you that don't know that are listening right now, Todd Elson has an angelic voice. Oh, yeah. yeah, he does. If you ever get a chance to see Todd Elson play on his own, or if you see the band, and I'm in Groove Canoe, do it. That dude. Yeah, he's like sing. chocolate. And I've, I've never seen a guy not be able to connect to Todd. Todd can connect to any human in the My world. My brother calls him the nicest person in the world, and that is factually accurate. Yeah, I have. You know, like, yeah, Todd, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Prove that I like, you know, yeah. come on. I, I don't so, know a single person Todd doesn't like yeah. or that doesn't like him. <laughs> but, yeah, so Groove Canoe, that's something we did in the past, and we did a band called Ozone in the past, and now we've got a bunch of upcoming projects, and we're constantly looking for that next piece of gear we need to push this thing to the next level. It's it's growing, and we're really psyched about it, and it's people like Drew that give the little guy a chance that helps us do it. So I'm so happy that we've been able to you know just kind of give you guys also a, you know, a platform as well and get you guys out there just like this little seedling trying to grow as a tree in the audio audio engineering world and uh you know this area of the country does it, it has a lot of music studios and a lot of great places but at the end of the day it's all about the products that come out and what it sounds like and just and and the the people and the personal people that that make those records because i've heard i've heard great records from huge studios that sound like garbage mm-hmm. and i've heard uh uh you know okay records that sound wonderful and the people are are great people like and i've seen all the ranges in between like it's it's wonderful to see so many hungry men and women women and individuals trying to get music out there for the greater good and for the greater country so and what i love is like so far we've like we've met a lot of the other musicians slash studios and mm-hmm. there's never been like a moment of oh, like yeah. contention with any of us no, everybody everybody's I, like hugely supportive of each other everybody yeah. does what they do you know yeah. I, and like the thing with the bike rack that i really like was the comfort level like i've been in quite a few studios in the area and, and in general and like you guys are easy to work with and that's that's big like i mean i've been in studios where like you know you can't touch their stuff. They have to adjust stuff for you, you know. And you, you just little stuff. Oh, you guys yeah. are just really easy to work with. And no. I think it shows on the records. Anything people need here. If you need a pair of socks, I got you, man. Right. We're gonna so we're gonna take have care really of you. Really great socks. Yeah. yeah. I have and also, all, I have all a pizza socks. nap. They got a you know they got yeah. this futon right you here. Got a place for, for pizza naps. <laughs> pizza yeah. naps. Yeah, for us, it's just about like we want to create this brand that helps people. We want to help the other little guys that are picking up acoustic guitars or whatever and we want them to come in and we want to give them a product so they can show the world what they have to contribute because a lot of times that's unaffordable you know it's 
It music production is we is it's there. expensive. Like, wait, mm-hmm. we, we've been there yes. as musicians musicians ourselves. I mean, like, that's yeah. What, like, so equi- yeah, the first equipment's expensive, and it gets really expensive really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're learning that the hard it's way. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a ball. The, the first album I was ever involved in was in a basement on a mixed on a pirated version of Mixcraft, oh. <laughs> a DAW that I don't even know if people have heard of anymore, and it sounded like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm. We want to be there to help those kids or, you know, anybody of any age come in and be like, well, I just wrote some songs. I want to be able to show people. We're like, well, well, we're going to help you do that. And above all, we just like really like people and we really love music. So it's exciting just to meet, to meet everybody. Musicians are the most interesting people, right? Absolutely. It's incredible. Like, and I don't don't really have a religion, but I think music is as close to religion as I get. Like, because there's... There's this level of like you can understand music to a certain extent and make sense when it comes to the numbers of it, but then there's that that moment to where like you know a certain song or like, it's like a sound spiritual. it gives you goosebumps yeah, you and like you transcend it. it and like to be around people that can do that to me, all musicians are like shamans. Like there's something mystical, but you despite like, genre and it's, and you it's know? extremely vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. you can you can meet a person and know them for X amount of time, but then you you can hear them put their craft out in like one three minute song, and all of a sudden you know them at such a more intimate intimate level you know it's just their raw self comes out i i just i i never stop i never get tired of interviewing musicians bands artists everything i think it's fucking fascinating i got into radio because i loved music and then i doing projects like this really just kind of crack open the skull and just seeing how everybody ticks and the why and like how and music is such just like Almost like you, I. The best metaphor I put it out there is just like mist. That it's almost not there, but it's also just structure enough that you see it and you understand like what it is, and that's what music is to and me. And it's like it's the language like, of the universe. It, it really everybody is. Everybody speaks music. Exactly. I mean, it's vibration, and everybody feels it. And that's something that like we need more of now more than ever is just togetherness. And music is one of those one of the few factors that can bring people together is music and just how it makes everybody feel and everything. And that is the big reason why I do what I do. And I absolutely love it. And it was wonderful talking to you gentlemen yeah, about before, everything. Before we get too carried away, mm-hmm. I'd like to thank both of you guys for, yeah. for yeah. being oh, here. I mean, it's no it, problem. You're, an, you're an extreme powerhouse, obviously. I mean, yeah. you're writing like a, you're writing like <laughs> a million books a week like or something like that. And Chris, yeah, yeah. you're like the face of, you're one of the many faces of Toledo and the music scene. And it's like, it's just really nice to, to have this right here yeah. to be brought to our thanks, studio. Thanks for just knowing cool who we fashion, are. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool idea, the concept of bringing different people together yeah. to, to accomplish essentially I, the same kind of thing. Wonderful Sunday conversation. It really you know, has like, been. You know, like, yeah. great. And what else would you be doing? Come we on. only talked about balls once. Oh, just twi- just twice, once. twice, twice. Well, yeah. Ball sack records. <laughs> like Three to thank times. our sponsor, Nesquik. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing the all new Diet Chocolate Tears. <laughs> uh, if we want to get in touch with Drew Coomer, how do we do so? Uh, I got a website, ascoomer.com. Um, you can find me there. I'm also on the old Facebooks, which is trash. You can, you know, you can hear that Facebook. I hate you. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. As Coomer. And Bike Rack Records, what, uh, give me your cheap plugs for your stuff. Uh, BikeRackRecords.com. We had the website custom designed by a college kid, and he did a really cool job. Sweet. It's for the kids. More importantly, kids, he did it for free. So. Hey. <laughs> it's for the CV. It's for the it, kids. It's all it's for. <laughs> um, yeah, we're on all the media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Bike Rack Records. You can find us all over there. Reach out, talk to us. 
we got a bunch of other than recording we're trying to do like a live concert series in his booth where we just cram bands in there and make them play and yeah, so it's kind of like the intentionally uncomfortable yeah yeah absolutely oh you're in so yeah like it's, like a, it's like a six foot by six foot room. we got a lot of ideas we're throwing around so we'll be around oh you there's a youtube channel if you're interested in hearing any random stuff but yeah we're out there on and all mark, the and mark uh throwing down some sick beats and sick rhymes yeah sometimes he, i try thanks yeah it's good of course follow this podcast on all the social media facebook twitter and instagram is on the radar pc had to change uh I had to change the Instagram username recently because we kept on getting uh, uh, confused with a uh, uh, a New York hip hop station um, uh, segment on their show. So I had to change the username a little bit, but it was changed just enough, ow, uh, just enough that uh, it, it, it we don't get tagged in hip hop videos anymore. Nothing against it, just like we're not on ninety nine some the Blitz or whatever out of New York. So we're we're from Toledo, Ohio. Anyway, there's all that. Of course, Facebook. Uh, we, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all the major platforms for podcasts. Bit.ly backslash on the radar podcast, and every letter in each of the words of that is capitalized. Uh, like I said, just find us on social media, and uh, that should be a little bit easier. Um, we have a couple of pieces of merch. Go check that out. We have a shirt. We have a deal with uh, with Stupid Rad Merch Company. Uh, Who and, rocks, by uh, the way. They are they're phenomenal. They are super rad. Um, and, of course, uh, if you like what you want to do and you want to give back to us, you know, we have a Patreon um, and some cool, uh, you know, exclusives if you donate on a monthly basis. So give them your monies. Out. Yes, because, you know. Uh, I only can spend so much on doing what I love to do. So uh, let me spend yours. Yeah, so let me let me spend a little bit of yours and help me out just a tad. So because uh, Daddy needs to put gas in his car and food in his stomach. Daddy needs gas. Yes, diesel. Yes. Daddy's got gas. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to add? I think it's time for a pizza nap. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, well, while we do that, I am Peapod. You are you. Don't fight it. Feel it. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much uh, for listening for another great episode of the On the Radar podcast. Give a shout out to our friends over at Stupid Rad Merch Company. Now, Stupid Rad is a great Midwest independent punk clothing and accessory shop, and it's also the official home for merchandise for bands like Red City Radio, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, The Bomb Pops, and so much more. They're also really big into wholesale, so if you're into enamel pins, if you're looking for shirts to get printed, these are the guys to talk to. Go check out their website now at stupidradmerch.com. You can save 20% off their line of Stupid Rad Merch Company shirts, accessories, and so much more. 
place an order, use RADAR, R-A-D-A-R, as a special passcode at checkout. Not only will you support a great Midwestern independent company like Stupid Rad, but you're going to turn around and help support us with the On The Radar podcast. Get rad with Stupid Rad and be rad by listening to the On The Radar podcast.